Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, that's it, Wendy. It's October 1st, and Halloween season is upon us. Let the fun commence, our favorite time of year. It is. It is our favorite time of year. I mean, I I guess it's a little bit Halloween for us all the time, but now it gets to be Halloween for everybody else, too. It's like they've caught up with us. Yeah. Now we can go to places like uh, Fleet Farm, where I went yesterday, and they had the biggest Halloween section ever. Tons and tons of different candy and decorations and pumpkins and so much fun. I could get lost in there. So, you could get lost yeah. inside the, the Fleet Farm. But I love it when you go into the, these places now, like Menards or Fleet Farm or whatever. Yeah. And then they just have all the decorations up. So, like, <laughs> you know, as you walk through, you hear, like, the cackling at you, like the Crypt Keeper or whatever is cackling at well, you. Well, also, uh, people in my neighborhood have started decorating, which is always fun. So there's a house that has Jason, like a full-body Jason, Ooh, just leaning up Friday against the, the, 13th. the <laughs> yeah, side of the house. So it, it's on my regular jogging route. And when I come around the corner and see it, like the first few times, it caught me by surprise and freaked me out pretty bad. But now I know to look for it. And so I kind of. Oh, good. Right, here comes Jason. Yeah, I saw my uh, I saw the, the first Halloween decorations of the season when I was walking back from the park the other day. And I hadn't I didn't even noticed it. But Adeline, my daughter, noticed that she, she just points out and goes, boo, boo. And I'm like, what's that? And then I look and then I see and there's a like a ghost decoration, the boo to which she was referring over a full little graveyard that they made in their front yard. So that was nice. Fun. Well, you'll be hearing boo a lot in the next few weeks here, Mike. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I And we have the Halloween decorations up at home now on the inside. But the um, you know, one of my favorite graveyards that somebody ever made in their homemade decorations was that there was one of my old running route in the west side of Madison. And they had a graveyard in there of all the people that had died on Game of Thrones. Oh, that's funny. So that was the name of all the people, you know, all the main characters, was, whatever. Was it called Spoiler Cemetery? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. If you did not, if you, if you weren't current with the show, like let's say you were a season behind or whatever, you're like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah, I might be able to relate to that. <laughs> but it just was great. I was like, when I was running by it, I'm like, oh, yeah, somebody had some imagination <laughs> to this one. And anybody that's a George R. R. Martin fan like myself. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Very cool. Um, anyway, love Halloween. This is the season, so we hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. Feel free to send us pictures of your Halloween decorations or your your favorite Halloween houses, and we'll be glad to retweet those. Whatever at Other Side Talk is our Twitter and our Insta. You can tag us in your Instagram too if you take a cool <laughs> Instagram post, and we'll we'll repost that to our account and at Other Side Podcast. Is that where we'll be um, checking out the coolest Halloween decorations? Please send them to us because we love them. Definitely. So here's a story I've been following for, for today's episode. Here's a story I've been following for probably the past uh, couple years. And if you guys are subscribers to our paranormal newsletter, and if you're not subscribers to our paranormal newsletter, what the hell are you doing with your oh, life? Oh man, hey, it's not too late. No, it's you not. You can always sign up. And it's free, so you guys can join that. OthersidePodcast.com um, has the place where you, you can sign right up for the Paranormal Newsletter. But the past few Paranormal Newsletters, we keep having these uh, new news articles about a medical startup that is offering rejuvenation treatments for old people. <laughs> now, Wendy's not old, but I am old. Uh, <laughs> I am, thanks, Mike. I am 41 years old. And, I don't think I'd call you old. But but the thing is, I still have a lot of energy. So like, you know, like Friday night, I played a show, drove three hours, drove three hours back at five o'clock the next morning, went straight to <laughs> the park and my daughter's first haircut and all that kind of things. And I still feel like I have a lot of energy and I still don't feel old. But then sometimes you just have this like, oh, it's 6 p.m. and I'm already falling asleep kind of thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it doesn't help that the sun is starting to go down at like 630. That's now. true. And, and and the weather today here in Madison is like it is it's like the end of the world when it's you really want to just crawl under your blankies and yeah, go back to sleep. The sun will never rise again is how it feels here. But you just have those times like, oh, I'm just getting so tired or like weird little things. I don't have a lot of aches and pains yet. And I don't have that, you know, like my back's like, oh, my back, like that stuff's still fine. But I do get those little like, oh, like I get tired in times that normally 20 years ago, I think I wouldn't get tired. And um, uh, you need your afternoon naps, Mike. <laughs> right. That's what we're coming to. And so <laughs> like I've, I've even used that thing of like, I'm just resting my eyes. That's, that's something my father said. <laughs> I love that. I just, are you falling asleep? Just rest in my eyes. And, okay. So what I'm trying to say is I'm even feeling it. Okay. The, the first thing of, uh, well, what would that rejuvenation be? And I think of myself as a very active person and someone who has a lot of energy. And I'm like, well, would I spend $8,000 to get a blood transfusion of young blood? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Oh my goodness. That's serious. Yeah. This parabiosis, which means like next to each other. So parabiosis is, uh, well, it's pretty much taking the blood from one creature and putting it to the other. It's it's taking part of the body of one creature and, and putting it into the other. Uh, it means living beside, but some of the research is almost like the human centipede. <laughs> yeah, and you're looking at these. So I'm reading through these journal articles that people submit. And so with mice, it's not just, they're not just doing a blood transfusion. Like they don't just go in with a little needle and then say, we're going to take some blood out. Here, little, here, little mouse, little mouse, we're going to take some blood out and then put it, <laughs> put it in this older mouse. <laughs> no, they, they stitch the mice together oh. like the human centipede. So then they share a circulatory system. Wow. That's very Frankensteinish. Very Frankensteinish. And, you know, this idea that that young blood can rejuvenate older people, you know, I'd never really heard of it before outside of the vampire legends, right? Like that's where you right. hear uh, this kind of thing. But it wasn't until we had uh, Robert Damon Schneck, the historian of the strange and the writer of the Bye Bye Man, the book, not the movie. But the movie was based on his book, but he didn't write the screenplay. So if, if you thought the movie was pants... Which a lot of people did. <laughs> Don't blame Robert. He just he's a great storyteller. But Robert said that one of the most interesting things he had discovered when he was doing research into strange stories was that people all the way up to the 19th century drank blood because they thought it was healthy. Uh, and, you know, he talks about uh, how in the Roman gladiatorial arenas, the Romans thought that strong, powerful blood of a person can be can can fix epilepsy can help epileptic huh. seizures and stuff. So there's stories of epileptics running to the, the gladiatorial arena after a gladiator uh -huh. has been filled and drinking the blood from him on the floor of the Colosseum as he's dying. Oh, wow. And he also talks about that uh, Hans Christian Andersen, um, in a biography of Hans Christian Andersen, they even talk about that he Hans Christian Andersen attended a execution because they still had public executions in Europe in the 19th century. And he, well, I mean, they had public executions in the United States in the 20th century. So let's not act like all oh, those European savages, because we're going to get to the <laughs> European savages pretty quick here. Yeah. Because there's definitely some medieval European savagery in today's episode. But Hans Christian Hansen <laughs> talked about that they collected the blood from the person being executed to give to uh, an epileptic patient. So those myths persisted uh, for a long time. And that, you know, drinking healthy blood, the, the life force of something could make a sick person feel better uh, and could, you know, could make an old person feel more youthful. I wonder if you could mix it up with something to kind of make it not taste totally disgusting. Well, there's a reporter that did it and he did it with cow's blood. It's not human blood, but he drank Ugh. fresh cow's blood when, it, you know, <laughs> like right, right from the right from the cow. And oh. he said it wasn't, uh, wasn't gross at all. It was like drinking warm milk. Ew. It was like drinking warm milk right from the cow. So it's not. It's hard to imagine. It's that. not necessarily disgusting. I mean, okay. I doubt it's going to be delicious. But, but I've tasted blood before. You know, like when you cut your lip or something. Sure. Oh yeah. And I, I wouldn't say it was delicious. No. 
I mean, but it's also can't imagine co- choking down like a glass of it, <laughs> like straight from a straight from the jugular of someone, <laughs> or you no. know, s- straight from the wound of a gladiator. I cannot know. I I myself cannot imagine doing that. But if it makes you feel better, and the person's going to be dead anyway, like oh, you know man. how we used to talk about Indians, how they used to use the whole animal, right? Yeah. Well, now you're using the whole, uh, um, uh. the whole person being executed. They're getting used anyway. We're not. Uh, okay. Um, right. That probably would be unconstitutional, cruel, and unusual, like letting people drink his blood after they already kill him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm thinking the ACLU might have a case there. Maybe, maybe. But what if it's voluntary? You know, and, and that's what we're kind of get to here. I mean, we kind of first want to talk about the legend that people always associate when they think of a fountain of youth from blood. Besides just the traditional vampire story. And and the thing is, the vampires of legend, like we talked about in our um, discussion with Jeff Belanger, when he tells us the story about Mercy Brown and we in the uh, late 19th century where they actually did think that this, this little girl was a vampire in Rhode Island. Yeah. It's not the like romantic Anne Rice Lestat uh, vampires that you get where everybody's, you know, everybody's beautiful and, or the twilight vampires that are sparkly. I mean, the, and it, it's not even, I mean, it, it, it's not even the Salem's lot or Nosferatu disgusting looking vampires. It's just like people coming back from the dead by just getting up out of their graves and wandering around and sucking blood, animal blood, human blood, you know, terrorizing a, a, a a small village kind of thing. So, like, when we think about vampires, you think, oh, Dracula, man, well, he's a good-looking guy. He's hitting on that Mina Harker. <laughs> like, he's a... Stu- if you saw the, re- the the redo of Dracula from a couple years ago with Jonathan Reese Myers playing Dracula, you're like, oh, man, Dracula doesn't seem like a bad guy. It seems like a pretty good lion. <laughs> you know, just keep a little blood in the uh-huh. bang in the fridge or whatever, and you're fine. It seems like a great life. But the real legends behind these vampires were just people that did... Either they did horrible things in life or they didn't make their peace with God, so uh, they were condemned. And it's not a, it wouldn't be a fun thing uh, to just dig yourself out of the ground, walk no. around in the cold, and then just bite people. <laughs> like it's, yeah, and it's ugly and messy, <laughs> right, extracting not, blood from living human beings. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not romantic and... <laughs> No, at all. it's not beautiful at all. It's not this, this Euro trash that we're, you know, this guy's walking around like, I want to suck in US. It's none of that. The real stories are gross. And so the idea of a, of a vampire and someone who had a thirst for blood that starts to get a little more glamorous comes from the blood countess. And that's uh, Elizabeth Bathory. And first of all, Elizabeth Bathory is such a great name. It is. It sounds like it's a made up character almost. Yes, completely sounds like it. It's like because she the legend is that she bathed in the blood of virgins to keep her skin looking young and fresh. So when I think about Elizabeth Bathory, I think about the first time I ever heard the name was once again in this book I bought at a school book fair. The Giant Book of Fantastic <laughs> Facts. It was this big yellow book that was has like 300 pages and illustrations of just dumb facts. Not checked whatsoever, obviously. And it was in English. So like the, when they talked, it was, it was a book from England. So when they talked about money, everything was in pounds, you know, and they, uh, they talked okay. about distances. It was in kilometers and the things. That's fun. Um, but they had, you know, like the, re, you know, the worst serial killer in the world was Countess Elizabeth Bathory, who is said to have killed over 650 young servant girls. And she would bathe in the blood of virgins in order to keep her skin young and fresh and supple yeah she doesn't sound like an actual human being at all <laughs> no not just the name the deeds right so are you telling me it's elizabeth bathory is the one who took blood baths <laughs> all right i guess that works but another thing is is that you read that and you're like oh god and then uh just went to the ripley's believe it or not museum in the wisconsin yes. dells the haunted mm-hmm. Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in the Wisconsin Dells. <laughs> and they have like a... Believe it or not. They have this dark side, you know, the, the dark side of, the, of Ripley's. And uh, they have like a little bathtub 
that you can kind of peek in on. They have a bathtub you can peek in on, and it's Countess Elizabeth Bathory bathing in the blood of the virgins. Uh, right? Yuck. And so they've got an actual, like, I'd say diorama, but it's a, it's a life-size woman cool. bathing, in, you know, bathing in blood. But that's the thing. Like, we, we have this story about the blood countess. And you're like, well, what, what really happened? Like, what was she really about? Was she a vampire? You know, did she drink people's blood because she thought it would have this rejuvenating effect like the people at Ambrosia Medical say it does? Or was that just kind of a legend that was that came up around her? And when you, when you go back into the story of Elizabeth Bathory, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like she was a saint, let's say. I mean, she's not like, it's not like, oh, yeah, no, it's all lies. But it doesn't seem that um, she quite was as blood thirsty as people say she was okay so we're going back to 1560 all right so this is the 16th century in which uh she's born to george and anna bathory and it's a very important name in the hungarian empire okay so the bathory name is wealthy it's the aristocracy it's powerful she's cousins with the king of poland all right the king of poland she's cousins with him and, you know, speaking of bloodlines and the King of Poland, um, my mother's aunt would always say that we can trace our, our lineage back to Polish royalty. That's awesome. Yeah. So we always say we're the Polish blue bloods. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Bone family, B-O-H-N, could take, you know, we could, we could uh, trace, our, trace our lineage back. So one day I will return to Poland and I will claim the throne for my family once again, so that hu- yes. so that Huberty can be as po- you know as an important name. Well, I guess if you're going to be king of Poland, it can't be Huberty. It's got to be Hubertsky or something like that, or Hubertowski. Uh. Bring Hubertowski over here, King Hubertowski. <laughs> anyway, but the Bathory family is obviously very powerful. In fact, it's so powerful you know, she's engaged at 11 years old because it's it's, it's a marriage of um, obviously. Uh, meant to strengthen the bonds of a relationship between aristocratic families. It's not like young Elizabeth was out there and fell in love with somebody at 11 and decides to get engaged. Uh-huh. They did marry early back then, but not quite that early. So, But the reason I said that, so she gets engaged to someone who's five years older than she is, uh, Ferenc Nadasti. Uh, I always murder these European names, but it's, it's not, you know, I'm doing what I can, guys. But It's okay. Ferenc Nadasti, but he takes her last name so the bathory name is such a big name that wow you'd think that you know always the woman would be subject to the man but in this case he takes her last name because that's a more powerful last name it's desirable yeah her husband though now he's no stranger to cruelty and sadism and the whole thing because he's been fighting in the war against the ottoman empire so he's seen his share of blood as well right and they're also not very far away from vlad the impaler in Wallachia, who also, I mean, Vlad, the guy that they based Dracula on. Yeah. And also Guar wrote a great song called Vlad the Impaler, too. Which we, <laughs> maybe I'll put that in the, maybe that'll be the paranormal song of the week. Vlad, hey, Vlad the Impaler go. by Guar, because it's a fun it's one. Perfect. But he's got experience with the Turks and the impaling and the stories of, uh, you know, the Turks would impale people and Vlad the Impaler would impale people. Like these guys were very cruel to prisoners of war. You know, they take him in and they just do horrible things to him. But I mean, Elizabeth Bathory, she uh, was extraordinarily educated. She could speak Greek, Latin, her native tongue. I mean, her husband, they said they could, you know, he wasn't even very good at speaking Hungarian. Wow. So he wasn't that smart of a guy, but he was a good fighter. And they both spoke the language of blood. (laughs) Yes, they, they both spoke the language of blood and cruelty, you know, because... And, and here's the thing about the time. In the aristocracy, uh, they're in charge. Their family's very powerful. And like peasants, uh, well, life was cheap for peasants. I mean, it was short. Nobody lived that long. And uh, it was unpleasant. I mean, you think about it. The average medieval peasant never went more than a mile away from where they were born. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's that feudal system. You're, you're born to a, a piece of property. Uh, and you're not a slave, but you're tied to the property. Uh, you have to work it. 
You have to go to war when the king sends you out to war. And you know, the whole feudal system is based on having fealty to someone else. And so the peasant makes a fealty to the lord, and the lord owns the farm, and then you work the farm. It's feudal and it's futile. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very it's not very fun uh, for the serfs and the peasants who no. are in there. No, but Oof. I mean Elizabeth also. It was rumored that uh, she had an affair with a peasant though. When she was 13. Oh, scandalous. Yeah, and she was sequestered to a different castle until her daughter ends up being born. Ah, what a rough life. And then they paid a peasant woman to take the daughter away and raise the daughter as her own before she's married. So like two years before she actually is going to get married to her husband, uh, she has a baby with somebody else. All right. But she does marry him. And then he goes off and he starts fighting the Turks in 1578. They called him the Black Knight of Hungary. Wow. And so she's super rich and she's lending money that whole time to the, to the king, uh, the emperor of Hungary the, and the king so that they can have their war against the Turks. So she's helping finance the war against the Turks. So that, that this comes into play later, but she is lending them money. Uh, and then her husband's going off to fight. And there's stories from this period of her life that she is a cruel person to work for. She's not easy to work for, that she punishes the servants who disobey or fail her. But there's nothing quite yet that she's torturing them and like bathing in their blood and stuff. So in 1594, uh, Miss Elizabeth is 34 years old. She's got some kids uh, with her count and uh, he's gone most of the time fighting wars. So she's kind of taking care of everything. She's the one in charge and she's the smarter one anyway. 1594, she hires Janos Uveri Fitchko. And he, he's a, <laughs> okay. he is a crippled dwarf who becomes her male servant. And she becomes close to him. And he starts getting involved. And so he, he's one of the people they say is involved in the torturing. And so he starts becoming like her number one servant. And he, when other servants fail her, uh, Janos Uvrisichko, uh comes in and is just an angry bastard. And he starts torturing the servants who, who fail her. Huh. 1604, her husband dies. And this is kind of when she goes off the rails. So when her husband dies, that's when people say she started to, uh, she starts to up the torture. The first torture is always the stuff under the fingernails. Oh, no. It's always the, where you, you know, you rip off the fingernails and you start oh, with gosh. that. So if you fail her, they start with the ripping off of the fingernails. You know, she accuses anybody of the littlest thing that they stole, that they stole something from her. You oh, know, boy. she'll say like, hey, if, you're, if something goes missing, she accuses the servants that they stole something and then tortures them to get the location out of it and whatever and kills them. So she's really getting into her husband dies and then she just ups the cruelty. She's got this crippled dwarf working for her and then uh, she gets a couple of women working for her. So the witch Anna Darvulia starts hanging out with Elizabeth and then her former nurse Alona Jew is a J.O.O. starts working for two. And these are like these are like her this is like her torture team. Her little cronies. Yeah. And so they're like her lead servants that, uh, well, what they do is they go out and they, they collect servant girls for her. And, and, you know, that this was the thing, like the whole idea of Elizabeth Bathory is that when more and more servant girls kept on disappearing, um, the townsfolk started getting concerned, like because it was their daughters and things that would go and never come back. And they were running out of people that they could take. So they would go to different towns and find servant girls who would like to come learn etiquette from the countess. You know, they would like to better their station by working for the countess. Now they didn't know that she was going to uh, smear them with honey and let bees and ants go all over their body. Oh my gosh. And so, and in the story and that this all came out, um, this is how people testified to it. They said that she often bit chunks of flesh from her victims. Oh. One girl was tortured by having to cook and eat her own flesh. No. So they cut off Yuck. a piece of her and then they cooked it and eat it. That reminds me of Hannibal. If you guys have seen or read yeah, Han Hannibal. Yeah, she's straight up horror movie yeah. content here. Well, th this is the 
I mean, this is the inspiration for a lot of the horror stuff. But, yeah. you know, the, the thing is, is that she does it with all the servant girls and they look a blind eye. Number one, remember, she's owed a lot of money by the crown. So she's owed a lot of money by the crown and uh, her family is super powerful. There is like nobody uh, wants to like make her mad or make her family mad. So they kind of like if it's just servant girls, you know, all right. Well, what happens, though, is that in 1609 in the winter, she invites around 25 noble women whose families had like fallen on hard times to stay with her. And, they, you know, she this was one of those things, you know, you're going to learn how to handle yourself at court from the countess. You're going to learn how to handle yeah. a family and being a powerful woman and all these things from the countess. Well, um, they get there and... She kills a few of them. Oh no! Right, yeah. So she tortures the 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 noble women of low, you know, whose families had hard times, and they learned something, all right. Right. She said one of them killed the other one for jewelry, so she had to punish him, and then another committed oh. suicide. So she's making up all these excuses of why these horrible things uh, were happening to people, and that's just the bridge too far. So they start investigating. They're like, okay, we gotta we gotta see what she's doing and and what happened to her, and. Uh, she starts getting investigated by her cousin, Count Giorgio Terzo. <laughs> so, but the thing is, he's also the guy that that's gonna like turn out best if she ends up losing her lands and stuff like that. So he's gonna get all that stuff if he does it. So the guy investigating her is also the guy who's going to make out the best if something happens to her. So her cousin's okay. gonna get her stuff, and so he's the guy investigating, and also. The emperor at the time, he's like, hey, she happens to like hold our marker on a lot of money. So if she ends up being a horrible person, I guess we don't have to pay her back. <laughs> but by 1610, then um, that's when they're doing the investigation. And it says that when they actually come onto the castle and th now this is where uh, things start getting like the rumors and everything start going off off the handle. And this is where things that they get in the giant book of fantastic facts. Because, like, one of the stories from her accuser is that when they finally got to her castle to, to bring her in, that she had, you know, 300 servant girls. They found, like, the bodies of, like, 300 servant oh, girls there. Gosh. And there was people in various states of torture, and there's people imprisoned and all these kind of things. So, say, 300. Whether that's true or not, you know, there's only one person that said that at the trial. But the thing is, 1611, the year starts out, and she's not brought to trial, but who are, are her accomplices. And this is where all of the testimony and everything happens. You know, this is the one, uh, you know, where they say that no, nobody says the, the bathing in blood. That doesn't show up until like 1825, when a guy huh. wrote a fictional story about Elizabeth Bathory. So the whole bathing in uh. blood thing, the thing that she's most famous for as... And, <laughs> And this too, like I feel, is a little bit of we're using those stereotypes of women against them here. You know, this she is so vain. She's so vain that bathe, she would kill a virgin just so her skin would be more smooth. And I, you know, w Wendy, I know women go to extraordinary lengths for for their skincare. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you've been in the uh, the lotion aisle at Walgreens, right? <laughs> Right. None of them say blood of the virgin lotion. No. So, it, you know, it's at this. And then, uh, you know, people are testifying against her and they're testifying about all these, you know, horrible things. That's where they talk about the, you know, the people smearing the girls with honey and letting them be attacked by bees and ants. Um, that's where they talk about the cooking, you know, and eating little bits of flesh and everything. And it's the trial Ugh. of these, of her servants. And one of the servant girls... Uh, who's testifying against her, said that uh, Elizabeth kept a tally of her kills. And she said that she saw the number 650 in the oh diary. Oh, my gosh. But th that uh -huh. was that was never like, they never found never that. Yeah, it was, that was just something. Yeah. But we use that story of the 650 girls that she killed. Like, that's that's what you say. Like, oh, yeah, Elizabeth Bathory, she killed, you know, she's the world's worst serial killer. Is how she's always said. Well, all those things just make the story more, you know, yeah. appealing to the mass audience. The imagery of her bathing in blood is is so creepy and so horror movie esque, <laughs> right? 
And then also having having a quantity of people that high, like, you know, higher than any serial killer ever. It just it turns her kind of into this legendary character. And it's a lot more interesting than just some rich old lady that's a hag and likes to torture people. Right. Just like a, a total horrible person. Yeah. Well, the thing is, her servants did get theirs. Uh, uh-huh. So they were found guilty. And so uh, like the, the girls uh, that were helping her out, they had all their fingers torn out by a pair of red hot pinchers. So this is justice now for torturing people. Then you torture them. And they were thrown alive onto a fire. So they were first their fingers were burnt, were, were ripped out and then they were thrown alive onto a fire. So helping Elizabeth Bathory, uh, yeah, yeah, that's an unpleasant end. And then poor little Fitchko. Came with a high price. <laughs> yeah, poor little Uh-oh. Fitchko. They cut his head off and then burned him. Oh, so I guess wow. at least he was, they cut his head off first before they burned him. So he didn't have to have the whole burning alive kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then like during the trial, she wanted to defend herself against the charges. You know, she admits to killing. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, she admitted to killing 36 people is what she admitted to. Of the, you know, the account, that, I mean, they said that 80 different uh, there were 80 different people that could, they could testify that she had killed through cruelty. But um, she said that she didn't torture anybody, but that she was trying to help them um, through like medical so that her her torture or whatever was actually her trying to help them with medicine <laughs> for their own good. <laughs> yeah, no, that it wasn't. Well, it wasn't quite torture. It was that. Uh, surgery at the time was so absolutely barbaric that it seemed like torture, but it wasn't. So she never confessed. You know, she just said that wow. specific deaths that were attributed to her were because she uh, was an untrained doctor. And so she was trying to help the people who were ill and injured war victims because they're still fighting the Turks the whole time. And it was because of her poor doctor work that those, 30, you know, those 37 <laughs> people were killed. Wow. So that's where she comes. So she doesn't admit to some stuff, but then they wanted to put her on trial. In fact, King Matthias II of the, you know, the emperor of the Hungarian empire, whenever he wanted to bring her to trial. Um, and of course they want to get as much stuff from her family as they can. And the, her relatives uh, just would not let that happen. And so what they did is they just, they sent her up to a castle with a small room that had a food hatch and ventilation slits. And uh, that was it. So she was in that she was in that room for four years, and uh, like a guard hears her one time, like on either August fourteenth or August twenty first, sixteen fourteen. So she's fifty four by this time, fifty four years old. She calls out to the guard that uh, she's cold and just wants some help, and he says, "You know, the soup or whatever. Like when you get dinner in you, you'll feel warmer." And that's what he says. And then they find her a few hours later, and she's dead, laying in the thing. So Elizabeth mm. Bathory, not very much of a vampire end. And they don't say like if her skin actually was like really nice. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> the whole, the whole that thing. That would be the real question. Did it work? <laughs> but, you know, the thing yeah, about or it. Or if is, she even did it. I mean, her, her legend gets completely exaggerated um, because it's, I mean, it's extraordinarily gross. And, you know, it, it fits in that kind of. Uh, the woman is so vain. She's killing, and plus she's entitled because she's royalty. I mean, it just fits into all these things, these categories that make us, you know, like they kind of they are prurient interest or whatever that um, they satisfy our need for sadistic kind of stories with Elizabeth Bathory. Now, was she a horrible person? Probably. Did she torture people? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, like her family, uh, one particular kind of torture they did that I read when I was reading about a different family and the different ways they would torture people or they would punish them for certain things is uh, they tied up one guy inside the body of a dying horse. Like they stitched Gosh. him inside the body of a dying horse. Oh. So he would get sick too and eventually just, you know, waste away and just die oh inside the gosh. body of the horse. But they let him keep his head out so he could oh. stay alive longer. So they stitched like the whole inside the body and with just the head sticking out uh, oh so that he could die gosh. from the disease. disgusting. Yes, from the disease and the, you know, they'd cut him so that he would get the diseases of the horses. Anyway. Unreal. So we're not talking about a lot of nice people in the first place. But was her trial and the stories of her cruelty and the testimony against her, you know, politically motivated? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, yes. absolutely politically motivated. And we weren't there. And it's not like we got a videotape of the proceedings or anything like that. But you can think that if it's, if it's a bunch of rich Europeans in the Middle Ages uh, fighting about something, there's going to be money, there's going to be some backstabbing, there's going to be some torture uh, involved here. Yeah. And I think So Elizabeth Bathory, really bathed in the blood of virgins? The answer is no. However, my friends. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Mike. Now, the real question is, you were talking about, you know, perhaps needing some rejuvenation. Yes. So, so uh, tell me about it. Well, I mean, this this first started getting uh, some traction a few years ago, at least because, you know, you know who Peter Thiel is from PayPal? Uh-huh. Okay, so Peter Thiel from PayPal, rich guy. Um, he made a lot of headlines in the past couple of years because he introduced Donald Trump at the Republican National Convention, and that obviously didn't go well with his friends in Silicon Valley. But Peter Thiel's a billionaire, and he's done things that billionaires do, like he funded Hulk Hogan's lawsuit against Gawker that the $100 million Gawker media empire no longer exists because they Gawker outed Peter Thiel as gay in 2007 wow. without <laughs> like, you know, they just said, oh, Peter, oh, by the way, Peter Thiel is gay. And so he did, he hadn't come out of the closet yet. And so he's like, I wasn't ashamed uh. about it, but I didn't like the idea that they could uh, expose a private citizen like that. So he waited his turn until there was some kind of uh, there was some case against Gawker that was good enough to put them out of business. And he, when they published that porn, like that uh, illegally recorded porno tape of Hulk Hogan, that, I mean, first of all, I watched the whole thing. It's disgusting. But second oh, of all, my. it's the Hulkster. I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah. And, but second of all, uh, by such a violation of privacy, he knew he had a case. Yeah. So Peter Thiel does things like that. He also invests in a ton of companies. He wants to build a libertarian island paradise off the coast of California like that will have its own government <laughs> like he's already started like he does like supervillain kind of things sometimes like we're yeah. gonna have our we're gonna have our own island with no rules <laughs> you know people are gonna live there we're gonna test these uh. these city nations on the water you know so this whole yeah. whole thing and so people are interested in the kind of things that he invests in and uh, in Silicon Valley you get a bunch of guys in their 20s and 30s and women too in, in the 20s and 30s who have more money that I mean they've got more money than like the GDP of some countries yeah like Peter Thiel's got more money than like Gambia so wow when he invests in something people are interested and the thing one thing that was going on Silicon Valley uh, maybe five or six years ago was that they were trying to find ways to stop death or to stop aging, right? Right. But yeah, both. Like it was uh it was that whole like we can just because you made a search engine or whatever, or you figured out a way for people to pay each other money on their phones, like all of a sudden <laughs> they're like, Now we've got billions of dollars, we're gonna figure out how to stop death. Or stop the aging process. <laughs> right. You can't stop death because I mean No, but right, but st- <laughs> stop humans from having to die was the kind of from thing. From natural uh, causes, right? Right. You still can't stop it from like getting shot in the head or whatever. Like right, exactly. Falling off a cliff. Yeah. Even though there's an entire uh, series, Torchwood, uh, which is a Doctor Who spinoff called Miracle Day that they showed on Stars, that would show what would happen if people actually stopped dying. <laughs> well, that'd be interesting. There's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's a, um, I'd give it a solid C plus as far as Torchwood goes. But it, <laughs> Miracle Day is like, what would happen if people just stopped dying one day? Like one day people, just, you, no one dies. And so what would happen in the world if that, that thing? So that is an interesting premise. Yeah. It's a neat concept to think about. Yeah. But uh, so Peter Thiel says like, well, one of the things he's interested in is this startup called Ambrosia Medical. And Ambrosia Medical is taking these parabiosis experiments that they, you know, they've been starting to do them in the 1950s with the mice. And so they're doing these things with the mice and they're finding that when old mice drink the blood of young mice or they, you know, like old mice get infused with the blood of young mice, they start acting different. So wait, there is a difference there, not drinking the blood. They're actually like... In some of the mice, they're sharing a circulatory system by like being stitched together. In others, they're just in, they're just uh, uh, removing the blood from one mouse and giving the blood oh to the other gosh. mouse. But it's not just the fact that the old mice start acting more youthful, running around more, and the heart heart rates get better and it's that the certain kinds of hormones that get produced when you're younger like the growth hormones and things that their bodies start 
reproducing the hormones and the proteins and things associated with younger animals. So the blood doesn't just have the effect of a little bit of rejuvenation so they start acting different. It's actually recharging their bodies. Wow. And so that's why... that's why this became a very, you know, people were very excited about it. Intriguing. So you get, you know, in 2005 and 2010, there's some similar studies that get done. And that, that's kind of what relaunches this Ambrosia Medical is these particular studies in 2005 and 2010 that start reporting the anti-aging effect of what do they call heterochronic parabiosis, which is actually, like I said, the joint in the age mouse to the younger partner. And... Um, in the abstract of this particular uh, paper, it says it's elegantly shown that factors derived from the young systemic environment are able to activate molecular signaling pathways in hepatic, muscle, or neural stem cells of the old parabiont. So like a symbiont, whatever is, is one half a symbiosis, one half a parabiosis is a parabiont, ah. uh, leading to increased tissue regeneration. So... The study that came out said, we need to study this more to see how we can translate it into the life of old human beings. And actually says old <laughs> human beings. And it's nice. And the study is called the Fountain of Youth. And this particular study is just from last year, October 28th, 2017. It was a review of the latest research of uh, this whole idea that you are filling patients' veins with blood from more youthful people and people start feeling better. And I know this, this idea, this joke that Peter Thiel wants to live forever on his libertarian island paradise or whatever. And I know they made fun of it on the TV show Silicon Valley, too. Ambrosia Medical is finally ready to go retail or whatever. And they're planning on opening up a store. Uh, not necessarily, a, I would say a store. It's not like the blood store. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's more like they're opening up a clinic. Uh, and they're, pl- they're hoping to do it in New York before the end of the year. And... They ran some of their own clinical trials last year, but they haven't made those public yet. But mm. the company founder said that the results from the trial were really positive. Recipients felt like they had better sleep, focus, and memory following a transfusion of young blood, as well as improved muscle tone. So they have to release That's the exciting. St- yep, they have to release the study to back it up with some data. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, all it is is a blood transfusion. And okay. blood or plasma transfusions are already procedures that are approved by the FDA. Oh. So because like, I mean, if you, we've all given blood to the Red Cross at some time, or I'm sure right. somebody's given plasma for money. <laughs> you know, I know that's one thing I've, I've done a lot of things for money. I've never given plasma for money. No? No, I might do that on the way home. <laughs> um, well, in college, a lot of our friends did that. Yeah, because you, you could cash. make like... 50 bucks a time or something like that yeah, to give a plasma. Yeah, just keep going back. And so I think a lot of it would be like this. So they would take plasma from, you know, college students or whatever, and then you would just do a blood transfusion to somebody older. Um, $8,000 is the infusion of young blood. Wow. And, you know, that's what they do. And the thing is, you might not, I mean, they have, probably have some patented processes, but the uh, all of, because the Red Cross and because of plasma centers and things like that, all of the legal or medical hangups or roadblocks that would be associated with it, all you're doing is a blood transfusion. So yeah, that's all. I mean, that's not even that. People get blood transfusions all the time. This one would just yeah. be specifically for getting a vampire treatment. <laughs> getting the vampire treatment. That's going to make so many college students happy too. You know, more opportunities to donate blood and right. make some money. And I mean, this just last week is what they announced that they're going to get. So you guys are going to be able to go to New York and get a, a parabiotic vampire treatment with young people's blood coming up pretty soon. That's right. And save your pennies. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to do it. We'll see. I don't know. I'm going to do it lately. But I, th- I do think it's really interesting um, <laughs> how, you know, like these billionaires put money into this company because they probably want they probably want to feel rejuvenated too. You're not going to be 25 yeah. forever. Well, I think it's funny that, you know, it's it's come full circle. It used to seem like such a medieval thing and now it's, you know, 2018 and we've got people spending thousands of dollars for the same kind of <laughs> right treatment because, you know, we talked about people drinking blood for uh, youth that people used to do back before it was discovered that it's not the healthiest behavior. <laughs> right. <laughs> and well, well and we think it's, I mean, we think the whole idea is disgusting and it's shocked. And the idea of drinking blood seems like a very barbaric thing. But what if you didn't drink it? What right. if they just transfused it? 
really? But in real Elizabeth Bathory style, you could get the. There's a place in Albuquerque uh, that had these things called a vampire facial. No. And yeah, even even Kim Kardashian. There's a picture of her with a vampire facial, and they called it the vampire facial. That's this nasty. Albuquerque spa, and uh, well, the idea, <laughs> the idea was that they would put a little bit of uh, a little bit of blood in your face, <sighs> a plasma rich protein facial. So when I think about that, okay, so blood is full of protein. I know that from the Era Plus commercials when we were kids, because they're like, <laughs> you know, they, well, there'd be the stain. They'd be like, Era Plus has protein, and protein cuts protein or whatever. And it, That's right. Wow. Your memory is amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Is that I how mean, they wash the facial off after they... <laughs> Era Plus. That's what they use. Right. But no, even the Cleveland Clinic has a whole thing about protein-rich facials. That, you know, pla- plasma-rich protein facial combines plasma and platelets from your blood with other rejuvenation techniques. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they even talk about it, and it totally works, too, that these, uh, they create platelet-rich plasma, and they, they spread some on your face, and then use micro-needling across your cheeks and forehead to help your face uh, absorb the proteins. Uh, micro-needling is exactly what it sounds like, a procedure that creates a series of tiny superficial punctures using sterile needles. So, yeah, you even get punctured with the blood facial from the Cleveland Clinic. Um, the right. problem is, is that this, this spa in New Mexico was not using your blood. I think it was using other people's blood. Ew. Because the whole thing is like the, the New Mexico Board of Health said like, hey, if you, if you, got, a, if you got a facial from this place, um, you got to get tested for HIV and hepatitis B and C. Oh, wow. And yeah, this that's... just came out. Thursday, September 13th. So that's, this is why I want to talk about Elizabeth Bathory and this is why I want to talk about, you know, because all this rejuvenating blood stuff seemed to be happening at once. Vampire facials, ambrosia medical. And I just thought we should all go back and learn a little bit about the original vampire facial. Uh, and that's, that's the blood, that's the blood countess. The blood bath. Yeah. Literal blood bath. Mrs. Elizabeth Bathory. Anyway, so that's just a little bit on that. That's uh, we're getting, we're starting Halloween season with yeah. some vampires. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that got me the most, probably, when we're talking about Countess Bathory and we're talking about all these different stuff from the from, from the 16th century. You know, what shocked me the most was the fact that nobody cared about the kind of stuff that she was supposedly was doing until she. Uh, until she killed like noble women. So that was the only time that people actually started like, oh, when it was servant girls, it didn't matter. That that kind of blew my mind in that it doesn't matter what era you're in. It doesn't matter where you're from. Like people will do whatever it takes for their political purposes. And the, the lives are subject to the whims of her capriciousness. Her accomplices were tortured and killed while she was merely sentenced to life imprisonment and walled up in her own castle. The difference between noble and peasant, um, that's really what sticks out as the injustice. You know, people didn't do anything because she was noble. She was allowed to indulge her sickest instincts because it was politically expedient. And all I got to say is barf. So that's the inspiration yeah. behind That's the inspiration behind this song. Uh, this week, we're going to sing a little song about Elizabeth, and it's called The Blood of Bathory.
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. You know what else is rejuvenating, Wendy? What's rejuvenating, Mike? Our Patreon community. Oh, so rejuvenating. I feel like a a child again after our hangout last week. I do, I do. Every time (laughs) I get to hear from our patrons, uh, I totally feel like, I'm not tired anymore. I feel good. Human growth hormone courses through my veins and my muscle tone improves. And the thing is, we've been hearing from our Patreons that their muscle tone has improved ever since joining the See on the Other Side community. Yeah, isn't it? It is, truly. So your chance to check it out, get your own See on the Other Side vampire facial. (laughs) You can do that othersidepodcast.com slash donate. And we got a special shout out to our man, Dr. Ned. Hey, thank you, Ned, so much for supporting our cause at the level where you get a shout out every single episode. And Ned, we appreciate all of your support. We appreciate the support of all of our Patreon members. And we're really happy to get to know everybody through that community. So if you'd like to join us, how can they join us, Mike? They can join us by going to patreon.com slash sunspot music or othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Thanks for listening. Bleed you later. Go in with a little needle, and then we're gonna take some blood out. Here, little here, little mouse, little mouse. We're gonna take some blood out, and then put it put it in this older mouse. Glurgle, glurgle, glurgle. <laughs>